It's too loud, too repetitive, too much swearing. Where's the real instruments? Why do we love music? Well, let's talk about that today. You are the curious, we are the curious audience. Welcome to the Curious Audience. My name is Luke Ryan and thank you for joining us for episode 11 of this series. Here with me today to talk about all things music is Vanessa Heinitz, uh, musician, performer, writer. Thank you for joining us, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. I'm interested in having this discussion. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be good to have your expertise. So, For our listeners today, we're going to be focusing on the big question of as we get older, we we tend to move away from contemporary music and we tend to focus more on the classics, our generational music. And we want to talk about why that is and is is it a common thing that occurs? So, Vanessa, off the bat, what's your take on this kind of topic? My biggest takeaway would be that it's it's a a nostalgia thing, like, it takes us back to, I mean, most of us idealise our teenage to, you know, mid-20s as the prime of our life, our, our great, you know, that's when we're going out partying and all that sort of stuff. We've got a lot of friends. We're, we've got a lot of great memories. So I put it largely down to nostalgia that you hear a song and it, it just takes you back to when you were at that moment. You're like, oh, I remember, you know, for, for me there's some songs that it's like, oh, I remember that episode of that show that I watched and I just fell in love with that song immediately or I remember that party and I heard this song and like it's it's like a sense memory type thing of just taking you back to a great time and yeah it's happy memories I think Mm. yeah I kind of when I think about music in general and you know you think about when I consumed the most amount of music in my life it was during those formative years where I was out at clubs at places where I would hear a lot of new music and there was a lot of um, social connections. You know, you were you were on the pub dance floor singing Summer of 69 with a group of people. You know, hopefully yeah. you weren't on your own. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was always about social. You were at a, a performance, a gig. You were at a pub. You were connecting with someone online. Uh, not online. You were, you were <laughs> talking to someone about the music you liked or the music you didn't like. And so it had that real social component to it. But I yeah. think what you mentioned just a moment ago about movies tapping into memories, that's something that's really been accessed in the movie industry lately. Like you take something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Their yeah. album was so great and it was full of unknown music, but we could attach memories to it. Yeah, that's movies, TV shows, some of them – not all of them. Some of them just use it as a, a background thing. But some of them, especially in the early 2000s, it was very common for TV shows to basically make music a character of the show. So they like it was part of the identity as a show to have this song. So that's why there are certain songs that not only do they remind you of your youth or whatever, but they also remind you of that show that you loved in your youth that you talked to. Or you- I'm just having this thought of Dawson's Creek going on in the back. I don't want to want Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, she's talking about that. Yeah. I just also, I just re, I, I never ended up watching all of Smallville. And so I watched the, I was I had like yeah. the last two and a half seasons to go. So I started from the beginning of what, and that, that intro, somebody say, 
just every time you can't help but sing along. Like I'd just be da, 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 doing whatever. Somebody say yeah. like every time. It's like, oh, it was just such a great, great hook to put in there. And and that was another show that especially in there was a few seasons that the music was very heavy component of what was going on. Now when you rewatch it, it dates the show as well. You're like, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> I remember this song. That's, yeah, like it just, it. that's another cool thing is that it does date, it, we do associate time frames with it. So it does actually play the role of going, hey, this is the early 90s, late, early 2000s, late night. Like it, it goes, oh, I remember this. This was when I was X years old or whatever. Mm. That happened a lot when, when we were watching TV in the, the 90s and the 2000s where uh, I guess the directors or the showrunners would make a special effort to incorporate music within the songs and it w- within the shows. And it, yeah. it wasn't always popular music. You know, there were those mm-hmm. hooks, like you just said, I, I'm thinking of the OC. You the know. OC was definitely one of the ones yeah. that really played it up. And One Tree Hill was, One Tree Hill did it not as, oh, in the later seasons they did it as a more front ground thing, but it was, a lot of their early season episodes were actually named after songs. Mm. So it was really woven in as well. But it was. It was a, a feature of that show. And those kind of shows, like, helped people, I guess, stay in contact with music because it's like if you like that show, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to buy that album because I've heard all the music. I can remember, oh, you know, Dawson did this when this song was playing or – you know, yeah, you a little replay in your head of like, oh, that's this one. And I mean, Dawson's Creek, it's um, I Don't Want to Wait and Then Kiss Me are the two songs that most get associated <laughs> with that because yeah. that was media everywhere. That's what it was putting out there. You're like, yeah. Yeah, it, it became almost um, deafening in the end. You're just like, I don't <laughs> want to hear. You skip through the intro in the end. Yeah. So now I enjoy it again because of nostalgia. <laughs> So, I mean, music in general, it, it's this weird sort of anomaly to start off with. We don't really know what attracts us to music. Like you think about, I was reading about the the science that goes on when you listen to music. So, you know, our bodies are set up for this like survival instinct. You eat something, your body rewards you with dopamine to say, you know, good job, do that more, yep. you know. Yeah. And that's all part of the survival. But music is the one thing that, your body rewards you for dopamine, but there's no survival thing there. And the only thing I, they can kind of attribute that to is like our body really loves patterns. Well, is that, but our body really loves patterns. And so it's like this was, I guess, kind of mentally stimulating and that's good for your development. So yeah, keep no, doing I that. think, I think it's, it's sort of earlier things was like in tribes and stuff, chanting and stuff. And I think one of it was bonding. And the other thing was like, um, I think like when you're, you know, hunting or whatever as a form of communication or I, I can't entirely remember. It's like this weird sort of I don't really know but vague thing. But I think it was the social aspect of because obviously when we lived in, you know, tribes or whatever, forming a tight social bond is how you've stayed alive. So that's the most logical thing I kind of can associate with it, that that's why it, it was a, you know, that's how you knew it was your tribe because you had your tribe's chant or whatever. Okay. So you've got that kind of sense of – still that sense of socialization, but then you add in, like, belonging and be, being yeah, part of Yeah, a survival something. aspect of the socialization. Mm, okay. That makes an interesting point. 
I did a, a podcast episode a while ago on um, I don't know whether you have this, but like 50% of people have this effect. It's kind of called the musical shivers or the goosebumps or when you listen to certain music, you get those tingles up and down your spine. And I found that so interesting that not everybody has that. Is that something you've experienced? I definitely experience it. Like I, if there's a song that's just really good, especially (laughs) if it's really emotionally filled. And I mean, as a songwriter, I'm, very much into lyrics and stuff. So I will definitely connect with lyrics. And so I find that I'm most sort of surprised by it and overwhelmed when I also, when the music, when you feel the music as well, like when it's not just the lyrics doing the work and the music is telling you and you're like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. yeah, there's so many, so many great songs. I think um, there's a uh, Ben Platt, he has a, a new song called Happy To Be Sad. And it's just this really beautiful song of, and, like, the lyrics, it's, it's like the main, what is the main chorus? I'm happy to be sad. I'm sad that you were gone. If I was feeling nothing, I would notice something's wrong. Like, it's just, it's, it's like, it's good that I'm sad because it means I like you and I miss you. Like, and it's mm. like, oh, it's just so good. And some other song I heard recently, I can't remember, but, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's one thing that, that kind of contributes to those people who do continue their musical journey and, and keep up with contemporary songs is uh, they find those songs that connect with the experiences that they're feeling right now. Yeah. And I, I guess you being a, a writer of music, looking at the lyrics, I imagine you connect to songs much deeper than perhaps someone like me who... I don't necessarily understand the stories. I'm more interested in the beat, the melody, the way the voice works. I can listen to a song 50 times and then someone tells me, oh, that, that, that's about someone who died. Oh, I didn't even know. Uh, yeah. Well, my, my brother's partly deaf as well. And, um, so he obviously doesn't pay much attention to lyrics because that's a lot of effort feeding him to hear it. So he just likes a song for its overall structure, whereas I, I love lyrics, but then I – also, because I create music and I've been in the different processes, I also hear all the little elements that I know are the most people hear but don't process what they're hearing. Hmm. So, yeah. Does that make it harder to, to listen to music? Because I imagine there would be times where you're trying to break down a song and say, you know, oh, how did they do that? Oh, that's a good idea. I should do that. Do you ever just listen to it? as a pure musical song and take away that, that extra analyst? Um, I do both levels. Typically it's like your first listen through is a general overall feel and almost all the time if I've listened to a new album, the song that I loved the first time around is not the same song that I end up loving the most after I've listened to it like five times because five times later that's when I found the song that didn't jump out at you but actually is like the most intricate and and deeper and all that. And so I, I think, yeah, I do still, I can just listen and enjoy and mostly if I put it on as background, but when I actively listen, which if it's an album or an artist that I really love, I do actively listen. And then I do have elements of critiquing in my head of like, oh, that's cool. That's this. Oh, they've done that. That's an interesting thing. Like I am thinking about it, but it's maybe not too conscious, but it is like it's, it's more 
my natural state of being. So, <laughs> so when you do write, like, for instance, um, just recently we've had uh, really popular artists, Billie Eilish and Lord release their second albums. Do you find that your musical instrument uh, in, let me say that again. Instrumentation. Do you find that your musical inspirations Inspir- come from the music you loved as a young adult or a teen, or do the, do you take inspiration from current music like Billie Eilish or Lord or that type of genre? A little bit of both. I just so the people who do the more electronic base where they do a lot of the programming on the computer, I don't have those skills, so I don't know how to write to that way. But I play the guitar, so you know when I go back to my youth that, you know, Matchbox 20, 90s, early 2000s was a very acoustic, heavy, driven um, era. So my songs do have that kind of vibe, which luckily it's the 90s vibes coming back around. Uh, So I might be finally able to (laughs) (laughs) break the market. No, but, like, there's just a lot of mixing and matching and it's just sort of I'm finding working with other musicians who have different skills is the best way for me to get something that's me but different because as much as I might love other artists like Billie Eilish and Lord and I like Halsey and stuff like I really like their style I just don't have the skills to create that style Mm. so every song that I write basically starts on guitar and then I have to maybe give it to someone else to strip that guitar out and then work it around. So the melodies and stuff can all work and then it's just the instruments that are getting used. Yeah. I guess because they're not using like traditional instruments. I was going to say real instruments, but they are they're really – because they're not using traditional instruments, it's almost a different skill set to the way they layer the different sounds compared to how you would layer – you know, a guitar and then a drum and then percussion or, or alternative instruments. Yeah, well, something I found with, like, Lord's new album is, like, especially the one that she released as a first single, it actually does have a strong acoustic guitar in there. Yeah. It's, like, a live guitar, whereas she sort of started a lot more um, electronic-based and now has, you know, gone to the more live base, which just could be that she now has the budget to do it. <laughs> that's um uh, what's that one solar isn't it solar yeah, yeah. i found that one really interesting because it sounds so much like everything else where if you go back to like her other songs like uh tennis court like, or and royals, and royals stuff, yeah they sound so unique uh like and quintessentially you go oh that's lord like almost as if if you hear like an adele song on the radio you're like oh that's it couldn't be anyone else but I would agree ones, with that. Yeah, it could I, be anyone. I, I wouldn't instantly. I don't instantly pick it as her voice or anything, mm. or her style. So she's fleshed her. You know, she's fleshed out to a different stuff. Yeah, she might have just been listening to old school nineties music and gone, "That's really cool. Let's put that in." Yeah, having a look at like Billie Eilish, she's she's one that I I listened to the new album and I'm knew nothing about Billie Eilish. I can say that. I'm, a, I'm an almost 40-year-old yeah. guy and Billie Eilish is not my type of music. <laughs> I, I find it so interesting because um, 
not only is it like kind of produced in a bedroom, but the the electronic, but it's very whispered and intimate and that kind of ASMR. And you mentioned like the music you liked when you were a young adult. I'm going to play a clip of that type of music to just kind of think about those two differences. So we've got that kind of guitar intro. Hopefully you recognise this song, listeners. So, you know, we're bopping our head. (laughs) So, I mean, instantly we start miming the song. We know it so well. Why is it that that song sticks with us but the new music doesn't? It's not just about the music. I will say about this particular Billie Eilish album, though, it's a concept album. It's not a traditional album. So it's, like you said, you don't know much about it, but she basically started, got famous as a teenager, but then was, like, sexually objectified as a 16-year-old child. So she wore all the baggy clothes. She covered everything up. And now she's actually at an age where she wants to be an adult. She's like, hang on, this... All of this is me. I get to do this for me. So that's what the, like, if you listen to the lyrics and stuff, that's what the whole album's about. It's like, you know, I don't care about your male gaze. That's, screw you. Like, it's it's just, this is all me. This is me owning my sexuality. That's what that entire album's about. And so the way she puts it together is still her vibe. But that, that And I will say, the technique that she does, that whispered voice, it's hard. So it might sound like that's an easy option. That's mm. actually really, really hard. Michelle Branch's belting is an easier thing to do. Really? Then, yeah, because what Billie Eilish is doing requires a lot more control because you have to, when you have to do it soft, you have to let a lot of air out and that makes it harder to control it. Whereas when you're belting, all your muscles are just pushing that note out and it's easier to hit it right on. So it would seem like you might, it, for a lot of people, you might think, oh, that Michelle Branch song's harder to sing than a Billie Eilish song, but they're very different techniques. And it's possible that they couldn't sing each other's songs. Do you think when you kind of compare the two vocal performances, like I've heard um, the terminology of like that that artist's voice is too thin. Like um, yeah. uh, another popular artist at the moment is uh, Olivia Rodriguez, who did Driver's License, and hmm. you listen to her voice and – she can't do those big notes. Her voice is quite thin, but it's it has a delicate nature to it. Do you, she do you has, think Billie Eilish has the same? Um, I think Billie Eilish has has depth to her voice, uh, and she specifically chooses a lower range. Olivia Rodriguez just sings. Rodriguez, she just sings in a higher range, and no matter what you do, when you get to those higher notes, it just gets thinner. Hmm. And she's still got a. Like she's 19, so she's still got a 19-year-old's voice up in that high range. In five years' time, I imagine that there'll be some of those notes that she'll have to just shift down a little bit Yeah. because my voice, you know, five, ten years ago where I would sing comfortably, I now have a much lower singing range and when I do gigs and all that, I'm doing three or four hours a night, three or four, you know, three to six gigs a week or whatever, so it's, it's just not feasible to be hitting the top of my range all the time. So now I move everything down that little bit because it's more comfortable. And, and so 
Like I've learned a few of Olivia's songs to play because I do quite like them. I think it's a great album actually. Um, and yeah, like learning where I have to put it so that my voice gets it right because where she felt is not in the same range as where I felt. And when she goes to that airy note, I'm like, okay, I can do that because that's the easy part to switch to for me. But yeah, it's uh it's it's different. Yeah, definitely different tones for different voices and and yeah, there is definitely some voices that are thin and some voices that are more depth and, and, and thick. When you are yeah. performing and you're choosing songs like you just mentioned Olivia Rodriguez songs, do you find that you're um, focusing on a particular decade? Do you find that a particular genre or decade has more success than others? Are you playing new release contemporary music? Like most musicians, you start to get slack at keeping up with the newer stuff because when you're performing, you know, five nights a week or whatever, then to then spend time rehearsing and learning new songs, like first you have to listen to the song, then you have to learn yeah. the song. Like there's a bunch of steps in between that you, it's easy to just kind of like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but if you hear, a, if I hear a song that I like and, and I spend that time, like it's, it is cool to learn the new stuff. Um, and also like I discovered when I was doing gigs and stuff, when I very first started after, you know, I left high school, the majority of musicians were out there doing 70s and 80s stuff. And my whole teen years was that 90s, early 2000s. So that's what I was playing. And that's what, and everyone's like, oh, no one ever plays this song. Oh, I love this song. And then I worked on cruise ships overseas in particular as well, which meant I had to learn a lot of country songs, which now I like a lot of country songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really good stuff in amongst it. Some of it's still like, Duh, but some of it's just really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I also then kind of noticed that, well, the age group that's sort of really coming out is that 18 to 25. And if I remember listening, you know, going out at that age and wanting to get what I heard in high school, then if you look five, ten years ago, you're going to get the hits that hasn't been played on the radio recently but has that nostalgia thing and people are like, yeah, I love this. So, Yeah. That's interesting that you say, you know, kind of teenage years because when you look at kind of the research that's been done about when we develop our music tastes, they say, you know, teenage years and those are the years where we're, we're building those social connections, where we're finding who we are and what we like. Um, they say, you know, for boys, it's an average of around 14 when you kind of lock in your musical taste and for girls, it's a little bit younger at 13. And so when you kind of use that formula with songs, you think, you know, when song when a song came out and you were a teenager, the time further down when you were then an adult and listening to it, it kind of makes sense. So I'm going to play you some music and I'll tell you a few dates. All right. This song was released in 1997. So you think if you were a teenager in 97, now you're an adult. You know, most most people who are in like 2014 would know this song. So I mean, like, 
like instantly we we bop heads again. We instantly recognize that song, but it's not something you would go to as your listening song. But it it probably holds a distinct memory because during those years that song was everywhere. Yeah, well, that's actually that for me. That was when I was still in primary school. But I think well, I also had two older brothers as well, so a combination of probably when they had birthday parties and that's what they were listening to. And, and I think, I think it's maybe in one of the American pie movies as well. I feel like, so I think it's, it's a combination of, of those <laughs> sort of things. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. Well, so it's interesting it's- that you bring that up. Cause the next song, I found the next song really interesting because when I investigate it, you think now it's a Beatles song. So you think straight away, it's going to be the older generation. It's going to be people who are like, 50, 60, 70, who are going to really connect with this song. But because this song was popular in a movie, it gets a whole new run of generation because people who love that movie now love it. So the movie people are probably our generation. I'll play the song and see if you can work it out. So Beatles movie, uh, Beatles music released in 1963, but then it was a huge hit in Ferris Bueller's Day Out in 1986. And so if you grew up watching that film, 80s and 90s, that was kind of the beginning of my teen years. You were probably a bit younger than that. Yeah, it's one that I've watched later, but I have. it's not a, a pivotal memory for me because I was... I was born 87, so obviously it's uh, it's in that time frame. Like we all have dead spots between what <laughs> our parents listen to and then when we get to about at least 10 years old, but like yeah. 13 onwards, like there's that big chunk of time that just no awareness of, of anything cultural in that time because mm. as we've been talking, as you get older, you stop listening to new stuff. So my parents obviously weren't listening to the current stuff and then like – the first song I remember when I realized that there was channel like radio stations other than WSFM playing the old stuff was when I was away on holidays and it was Spice Girls wannabe. Yeah. And all the all the older girls, because I would be maybe eleven and all the thirteen year old girls are off on the dance floor. I'm like, what is this amazing thing I've never heard before? And that's like my music awakening, I suppose, yeah. like of of suddenly, oh, there's all this other music I've never heard before. Music keeps getting made. That's crazy. <laughs> but then at a certain point, you know, you stop kind of going, what is the new music coming out? Yeah. I, you touched on it a little bit when you were talking about practicing songs for performances, and it, it seems to be time being the big factor. You know, as you get older, you don't have time to listen to the top 40, to watch music videos, to delve through a ton of music to find the handful that you really like and connect with. Most of my songs that I listen to is my best friend being like, check this song out. And then I'll hear, or, or I'll listen to a podcast that talks about a song. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll check them out. And I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. I like it. And, and then it's like, it's recommendations from friends mm-hmm. who already know what you like. And so it still slowly bridges it. And I do like things like Spotify where you can go to a mm-hmm. song that you like and then, click like the, the song radio mm. and then you start to hear all these other ones that's sort of similar you're like oh I do like that and you add that and you add that and it does help you discover new things but I don't necessarily know what's happening in the top 40 unless I like when I worked on ships especially because we didn't have like you didn't have internet connection at sea much so I'd 
spend my days in port downloading the Billboard top, you know, 20 or whatever to see what was out there, which at the time was a whole bunch of R&B songs that had the exact same beat. And I was like, I can't do this on guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was certain songs I was like, these are really hard to translate to a live performance. But, yeah, it was. it, it is a form of, for me especially, it becomes work because I'm having to listen to these songs. But most of the time I just let people make requests. But working on the ships, I would get songs from the 50s requested and then get a song that was released last week requested in the same time. And I'd go and learn them both. Like <laughs> at least then I was learning for people who wanted to hear it. But, yeah, yeah it's uh, to keep on top of what's happening on the radio. I don't listen to a whole lot of radio. Um, I suppose, you know, our brains are so busy with all the other stuff in life that, the idea of working for music when it should be enjoying music. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why going back to your old stuff, you know how it goes. It's, it's like when you watch your comfort movie or your comfort TV show. It's because you already know how what's happening, so you don't need any brain capacity towards yeah. it. Yeah. I kind of think, like, especially when you think about movies and TV and, and music included in that, we have such a content explosion at the moment. And so... You look at like top 40s and you could look, you know, for six months and not have any common artists. And so building that familiar familiarity with an artist and saying, oh, that person has the sound I like. Yeah. You don't get that because you're only exposed to like one song. So you're more inclined to go, you know what, I like the Foo Fighters. I'm going to go back to one of their B-side albums and listen to these songs that I've never listened to because I focused on the singles. But then you also have a different sort of thing like where Fleetwood Mac's dreams hit the charts because it got popular on TikTok because right now (laughs) all media is current. Yeah. Everything that's ever been produced, if it's available digitally, it's all current. Mm. And so we're no longer just got what's just been released that's available people can go and hear this old song and be like oh that's really cool i love this song i'm going to use the song and weird songs get trending and because they're trending people are like oh what is this song they look it up they play it on spotify suddenly it's in you know it's number five in spotify you're like this is from the 80s why it's it's crazy that it's now charting this weird phenomenon especially because we have artists who are now reaching the age where they're passing away then their music becomes popular because everybody's investigating it or reminiscing. You know, you think when Prince passed away or when the the drummer from Rolling Stones passed away, everyone would have dived into that music. Yeah, there's so much. And the way that they uh, do charts these days is they have to take into into account the streams and all that. And it's, yeah, we're in a weird cultural time, which is cool. I think it's cool. I think because so. Because we, we do have old stuff being suddenly discovered as if it's new. And and then I also see that that's, I mean, Olivia Rodrigo, she's had to give a lot of writing credits to other people because all of her songs kind of feel like another song and it's she's just doing the, the easier path of like, yeah, just give them a writing credit. I don't need a lawsuit or like it doesn't really matter. But none of her songs are actually copying anyone. Mm-hmm. They're just similar enough that it's fine and that's why the album works so well is because every song feels like a song you've heard before. Well, that's exactly like Lord's latest album. I mean, she, she openly said, you know, I was listening to this 2000s band and that was the inspiration for this song. And so it's almost like she's paying homage to the, 
the the artist that she loved as a teen. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about Olivia's uh, album is one of the things I love about it is it's the perfect teenage angst album. <laughs> like it's just all angst and it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's also doesn't fit to a genre. So whereas in the past you were a rock band or you were a folk singer or you were this, hers has sort of the heavier rock, sort of pop rock, but it's the heavier instrumentation and then super folksy song. Mm. And it's all just crammed together and you're like, yep. And then she's got the more electronic sound. It's like, yep, but that's cool because we now live in a world where an album, yes, it, it still works cohesively, but the album no longer is being restricted because not everyone has to buy the full album or listen to the full album. People can pick and choose. And so it actually increases their revenue to have this diverse thing, whereas before it was like, oh, well, no one in the country market is going to buy it if it's not fully full country. No one in the rock market is going to buy it if it's not full rocks. But now it's like, no, people can just go. Yeah. And you can say I like everything. Olivia Rodriguez's pop songs or I like her folky songs, but I don't like both, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's and I mean I like a lot of varieties, so I like I like the whole album, but I still have favorite songs, but one of them's the folky song, one of them's the rock song, and one of them's like a dancey, like a electronic song. I just I have a I mean I think it's a part of the fact of me working as a musician exploring more things but yeah i just love music as well i think i think based on this conversation we love music too both of us yeah. and uh, yeah. i hope that we've shared that that love with some of our uh listeners and we've motivated you to either delve into some new music some olivia rodriguez or go back to your oldies wherever you found joy in music that's the most important part if you, if you need a pick-me-up, I recommend going back to your old stuff. Like you'll find if you've got an old playlist on your computer or something or an old iPod, just chuck that on and you'll just be so happy. <laughs> You're like, oh, I love this song. Ah, oh, I love this song. It's, yeah. Yeah. Great uh, little memory lane. Doing the research for this this episode, um, going through all the oldies and looking at the different times, like I've got to play you this one. I love I'm so glad I found this song. I'll be listening to it for the next two two weeks easily. But it's so cool. It's just a good driving song. And I think this is over 10 years old. Yes. <laughs> isn't, isn't it like... Mid nineties, isn't it? In uh, what's the movie that it's in? Something Mind, Dangerous Minds. See, I thought so too, but when I looked up the release date, it said two thousand ten. I felt like it was a nineties. I no, I'm pretty sure it's an old one. I think that must be a re-release. Yeah, because to me, that's my generation. That song. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's much older. Well, there you go, listeners. Like, correct, <clears throat> correct me. I, I looked it up and got 2010, but maybe your Googling skills are a bit better. You can let us know on um, Instagram.com at The Curious Audience. I'd love to know when that that song was released, get some more information on it. Um, we're going to leave it there, Vanessa. Thank you so much for talking music with me. It's been it really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Thanks for having me. So, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Curious Audience. And don't forget to continue the conversation on our Instagram. Until next time, bye. Bye.